Today, in Future History. Welcome, sentient beings. It is important, on occasion, to reflect on the fact that history continues to be created at a pace approximately one day per day, but its appreciation often lags behind in months, years, or even centuries. Which is another way of saying that we are not late in our presentation today, but merely not as caught up as the universe is. And while it has gotten ahead of our reporting, it should be noted that our reporting is still ages ahead of musicians and artists, and in a much better coherent shape than the raw universe alone. And then, there are days like today, August 24th, where history is filled in after the fact, and still hard to straighten out. It was on this date in 6892 that the explorer ship The Long Staircase II, often abbreviated as Staircase, finally concluded its 1,355-year journey to the planet Deuxième Etage in the distant solar system MK6219936-9, more commonly referred to as Annabelle's Loft. What it found there and the impact that it will have on our lives even today is yet to be fully appreciated. But it involves aliens. Almost. The journey remains the longest flight taken by human beings, and despite it being largely automated with its human complement mostly in suspended animation, nearly ten generations of living, breathing human beings were active over its journey. The ship woke up a select number of crew members every 100 years, who went about the business of repairing and upgrading the ship and its automated systems, analyzing the data from the previous century, updating any navigational measurements, and incorporating any information delivered from the soul system that managed to catch up with the ship. These living periods would last approximately a decade, depending on the magnitude of the work to be done and the conditions therein. Inevitably during this time, relationships would form and children would be born, some of the people would remain out of stasis to raise their children to about the age of 18, allowing them to come to full maturity and fully appreciate the situation they were in. At that point, the new family would often all be placed back into long-term hibernation chambers simultaneously. Most people would serve a particular shift in the living time rotation and then not be revived until three to five periods had gone by. However, some people would be revived more often even as frequently as every waking time. These included especially long-term dedicated experts in particular fields of science, engineering, and technology, and the leadership crew. In this way, odd strata of aging would start to occur. While the scheduling system always attempted to raise children with parents, sometimes that did not occur, such as when one parent fell into the more commonly awoken category or a child displayed an aptitude for a required area and would be awoken to train with an expert. Thus, sometimes, children aged faster than parents, or a parent might only experience a brief time with their children before passing away. Children were absolutely necessary, however, as even the least frequent category of hibernating human was to spend at least three rotations in living periods, and thus would be too old to procreate once the ship reached Deuxième It was a compromised design. One worked out in haste to leave Earth just after the planet's barbaric period of so-called missing time, 
The perfection of the hibernation process inspired the long-term plans, as did the development of predictable and stable artificial intelligence. Even so, it was felt that intervention by humans would be necessary, which was demonstrated tremendously by the signals received just over halfway through the journey. But these signals did not originate from the soul system, but near the destination, another planet in Annabelle's loft, the same solar system as Deuxième The signals were not directed at the ship specifically, but rather were a very widely broadcast signal. It was tremendously powerful, and yet seemingly impossible, using a relatively simple method, apparently only a slight variation of the still common radio wave. It wasn't for another 35 years that the full nature of the signal was discovered, which is now known to be a 12th dimensional carrier wave. The scientist who spearheaded this discovery was Marley Zigormunda, doctor of astrophysics of the 7th Chevron. She had begun her third shift in the journey year 701, and in the previous waking state had raised a daughter named Shuki to the age of 20. Shuki was not due to return from hibernation until the next rotation, which would be the last one before arriving at the planet, and thus a permanent waking. So, Marley was alone when the signal arrived. Up to this point, Marley had not been considered among the essential expertise to be kept active for longer periods of time. The particular area she had been in charge of, dealing with measurements of known galaxies for navigation reference points, had not changed significantly during her previous two shifts. The measurements were within expected limits, down to a remarkable accuracy, so she was free to pursue a relationship and produce children. This time, however, she awoke to a very strange set of readings, ones which threw all the calibrations aside. Marley tackled the problem, creating adjustments in the sensory interpretation routines, which removed the significant errors and returned the system to its previously balanced status. These adjustments led her to not only pioneer the use of 12th-dimensional hyperbolic carrier wave extensions to radio signals, but allowed her to interpret the errors as a coherent signal of its own. In other words, she had separated the noise and found a message within. At this point, she had built up an unparalleled expertise in the signal, and was kept awake to both analyze it and teach others to analyze it. She stayed awake for nearly 30 years more, before ultimately agreeing to return to the long sleep. During that time, no one had managed to decode the signal into anything meaningful, but they had discovered that it was not just one signal, but in fact three, intermingling, coming from different places in Annabelle's loft. Not long after Marley went into hibernation, the signal stopped transmitting. When Shuki awoke in the year 6853, or journey year 1316, only 39 years before the arrival date of the ship, she was shocked to discover her mother was an old woman, and even more surprised to see the changes in the ship. While they both slept, elements of the signal were in fact decoded. Some of it was definitely a language, although of a parallel structure so complex that it would never be inherently understood by human beings directly, and would always require a powerful handheld computer to do so. Some parts of the signal were discovered to be mathematical and scientific in nature, and these led to revolutions in some areas of science and engineering, allowing the creation of everyday and phenomenal inventions, such as extra-dimensional storage techniques and portable field generators, among a myriad of wonders. Other parts were interpreted as sound and pictures, but again, they largely seemed to portray a perspective outside of the human range of experience. 
What could be deciphered pointed to an advanced species of intelligent creature, largely resembling the combination of a rough approximation of a humanoid shape and that of a large cephalopod, such as an octopus. It was symmetrical, it seemed, but only in the upper half, and then in a trilateral or three-sided way. The bottom half seemed to be a writhing mass of prehensile appendages, which bound together or separated as needed into a multitude of shapes, including what looked like a wobbly bipedal leg, a singular strand that writhed like a snake, and a strange asymmetrical four-legged shape. There had also been the return of a signal, albeit one in a distinctly basic form, a simple repeating pattern consisting of two short bursts, followed by three long bursts, and then one medium-sized burst. No information seemed contained within, not in our normal dimensions or in the twelfth. It was concluded that this was a simple beacon, distinguishable over long distances from noise, but little more. However, this new signal originated from the planet Deuxième Etage, their destination. As the long staircase, too, came closer, it sent out smaller robotic probe ships that could travel much faster than ships designed to keep humans alive. The information they returned was astonishing. The entire planet of Deuxième Etage was transformed from its raw, natural form. Earth-based detection, followed by sensors used en route, had determined that it was a rocky and wild but livable Earth-sized planet, with a stable ecosystem likely made up of simple algae, or equivalent, producing a slightly higher-than-Earth level of oxygen. Primitive, but ideal for colonization. What the probes discovered, however, was a planet which was entirely prepared. Where there was expected to be rough and rocky terrain, it had been smoothed and carefully organized. What was likely a thick, interwoven jungle before had been changed into lush and naturally self-managing gardens, producing a wide variety of non-toxic, largely edible crops. And there were cities, hundreds of them, scattered across the surface of the planet. They were not scaled for human beings, but finally gave some sense of how big the beings projected within the signal had been. Estimates put them at nearly twice the size of the average human. There was technology as well, durable, nearly invisible, but embedded into all the cities. Estimates placed the age of everything on the planet to no more than 80 years, but everything seemed in relatively pristine condition. Staircase remained in orbit of Dizyamitage for another 20 years, slowly reviving all the community and studying the new home with great interest. Little expeditions planet-side grew into longer explorations and created a permanent populace within a few years. Although they weren't officially moved to the planet, it became a slow, cautious side effect of such an interesting place attracting visitors. Still, nothing was seen of the inhabitants. Or rather, no evidence was ever found that it had ever been occupied. It had all just been built, but no one had come to live there. Finally, the rest of the population, aside from a small subsect of ship engineers, moved to the surface. The long staircase, too, was reduced from the full-sized ship to an exploration and resource-gathering ship to be used within the system. Of course, the question arises, with such a great distance between Saul and Annabelle's loft, how do we know anything of this? Surely, their communications would not have reached us yet. But within one of those cities, 
the explorers found the source of both of the signals they had received, the larger one and the simple beacon. They were able to create the necessary 12th dimensional carrier wave and carefully target their home planet to send signals to the Sol system, where they could be received by any radio receiver. Included among the many messages were the plans to build Sol's own 12th dimensional carrier wave generator, so we should be able to respond to them in a few years, and then establish near-real-time interstellar communications. But once more, the question remains. Who were these previous people who sent the signals and transformed this planet? What happened to their civilization? Why did they apparently build such a tremendous world to live in, and then not live in it? And why did the founder of this mission, Pierre Loiseau, choose this particular planet in this particular system as the target destination, when so many other closer planets had been detected. This is one of the few instances where history is still moving forward, so we will eventually be able to look back on this date and probably still not know the answers. But definitely not today. This has been Today in Future History, the efficiency of a historical fact to convey decades or even centuries of change in a few words is often in conflict with a desire to emotionally connect with events and people. That is to say, it is sometimes easier to experience history as feeling out what they mean than meaning what they feel. Tune in tomorrow to find an emotional catharsis, an astrological conjunction, and a delay in understanding which day this actually is, or perhaps a hangover. Stay calm, and remember that you too are probably giving off signals that others aren't able to interpret properly, at least not without a decoder ring and a serious friendly talk. Nutty.